Chapter Eleven of Finn the Wolfhound by Alec John Dawson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleven: A Sea Change. That long sea voyage was a strange, instructive experience for Finn. The preceding few months had made for rapid development upon his wilder side. They had taught him much as a hound and a hunter this voyage developed his personality his character the central something that was finn and that differentiated him from other irish wolfhounds above all the voyage brought great development in finn in the matter of his relations with the master and the mistress of the kennels the first three or four days of the passage did as an experience resemble a dog show in that finn spent almost the whole time on his bench and was only taken down for a few minutes at a time later on however when things and people had settled down into their places on board the great liner the master obtained permission to give finn a good deal more freedom on the understanding that he held himself responsible for the wolfhound's good behaviour this meant that by day and night finn was given his liberty for hours together but during the whole of that time he was never out of the sight of one or other of his two friends and the mistress not being a good sailor it meant that finn was nearly always with the master this again meant a marked change in finn's ways of life and a change which affected his character materially here was no orchard through which he could wander off to the open country there to roam and hunt alone and out of touch with humans now whether moving about or at rest finn was continuously within hearing and sight of the master and practically always within touch of him one result of all this was that finn became greatly humanized he grew to understand far more of the master's speech than he had ever understood before he came to depend greatly upon the master's company and kindly intercourse with him with this came the development of an enduring and conscious love of the master which filled finn's mind and heart through all these warm and lazy days and entirely dominated his environment with regard to other people he was a great deal more reserved than he had been in the old days before he met matey and before he took to hunting he permitted their attentions courteously and in the case of children he would lend himself to their desires readily enough but he never invited attention from any one excepting the master and whereas he would settle down comfortably to doze on the sun-bathed deck with his muzzle resting on the master's feet he never volunteered to touch other people though he accepted their caresses good-humouredly enough hitherto putting aside the exuberant demonstrativeness of early puppyhood this had been finn's attitude toward all humans including even the master he had liked the master and the mistress he had trusted them and he had been deeply thankful to find them again after his escapade with matey but it could hardly have been said that he had loved them in the sense for example that his mother had loved the master or that he himself loved the master now now that he would lie for hours on his bench waiting watching and listening for the sound of the footfall which he easily distinguished from among the many that he heard 
in short what had been no more than friendly affection and confidence grew now to personal attachment to a feeling which could fairly be called love seeing that it comprised intense and jealous devotion and a contentedness which approached rapture in the touch and presence and society of one person when they sat on the deck together at night the master and finn under the gorgeous sky which so often favours pacific travellers by sea the wolfhound's intercourse with the man stopped only just short of articulation and went far beyond the normal companionship of man and dog for instance the master would sometimes growl out low remarks to finn about the old country about tara and the house beside the sussex downs and finn understood practically every word he said on those occasions and then the master might wind up by stroking his head in a heavy lingering way that finn loved and saying ah well finn boy there's other good places in the world too the australian bush is a mighty big hunting-ground i can tell you we'll have some good times there finn boy rabbits and wallabies and kangaroos finn great sport for my big wolfhound and me and maybe we'll get a good home together out there before long old man might even strike it rich somehow and go back to the downs again and do the thing in real solid style my finn with big kennels and half a score of hounds for you to lord it over and at such times finn's inability to speak after the human fashion was no particular bar between them understanding was so clearly voiced in his dark glistening eyes in the eager thrust of his wet cool muzzle and sometimes for emphasis in the compelling weight of his great arm as he laid it with a pulling pressure over the master's shoulder in addition to all this he would occasionally whimper or make low growling sounds while he pawed the master's shoulder and these sounds said as plainly as any words could and perhaps more emphatically i love you i understand and i love you master it's you and me for always and nothing else matters wherever we may be and then the master would say something about the mistress of the kennels and finn would beat the deck with his thirty-inch tail which was as thick and strong at its roots as a man's arm or perhaps if the weather were calm as well as fine the mistress herself would come along and join them seated in a low deck-chair and then though finn's eyes would take on a momentarily anxious look if her hand touched the master he would yet be very happy stretched out between them with the half of one dark eye to spare for one of them and his whole big heart shining out upon the master in the gaze which held his head always turned the one way just as something always seems to strike a balance in the affairs of men-folk so the gods who watch over the affairs of finn's kind are wont to provide compensations for months before this sea voyage finn's whole being had been absorbed by the interests of the half-tame wild in the country beside the sussex downs dreaming and waking the hunt had held his thoughts and solitary roaming had been his delight here aboard the great steamer he was suddenly and completely cut off from all these things but something else had come to take possession of his active nature his busy mind his growing heart 
and the great love of the master which grew in him now effectually shut out anything like regret for the old life by making the new life all-sufficing and more compact of interest of satisfying fullness than ever the home life had been at its best if it had not been for this remarkable development of finn's character which was brought about by his confinement on board a ship with the master he would never have played the part he did in what was really the most important event of his life up till this time and one too which taught the master a good deal regarding his own relationship to the great wolfhound he had bred it all happened on a sunday morning when the weather being very hot the captain held service on the upper deck under awnings of course half a dozen children were allowed during the latter part of the service to withdraw and play quietly by themselves twenty yards away from the last row of chairs occupied by the congregation at one end of this last row the master sat with finn beside him on the deck among the children one a curly-headed rascal of a boy named tim aged eight was everybody's favourite and the leader of the rest in most kinds of mischief exactly how he managed it was never rightly understood but when the piercing sound of a childish scream smote upon the master's ears through the droning periods of the captain's red sermon tim was in mid-air half-way between the ship's rail and the sea and the other children were staring horror-stricken at the place he had occupied a moment before with his chubby arms about the stem of a boat's davit and his brown legs astride the rail the master was a man given to acting swiftly upon impulse finn had leaped to his feet at sound of the scream the master followed on the instant and reached the ship's side within a second or two of finn's arrival there finn's muzzle was thrust out between the white rails and he saw the tiny figure of tim in the smoothly eddying water a little abaft of the ship's beam the master saw it too and turning with one urgent hand on finn's neck he shouted over and fetch him finn over boy over there was no mistaking his meaning finn had instant understanding of that but finn was no water-dog the sea was very far below he let out two short nasal whimpers the master swung one arm excitedly over boy fetch tim over then then the growing love of the past few weeks spoke strongly in finn overriding instinct in him and with a whining sort of bark of protest against the order his new love forced him to obey he leaped over the white rail and down 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 through five and thirty feet of space into the smooth blue sea where it whirled and rippled past the high steel walls of the ship this exhausted the master's first impulse instantly then there flashed through his mind knowledge of the fact that finn was no water-dog that he had never been trained to fetch from the water or to handle human beings gently with his teeth the master had never even seen finn swim that was a great love a wonderful trust which had shone out from finn's eyes when instinct protesting in his whining bark he had leaped the rail in obedience to orders given on the impulse and without thought would finn be able to help the child who had often played with him about the deck and how if that whining bark were a last good-bye 
in the next moment the master acted on his second impulse regardless of the shouts he heard behind him his shoes and coat were shed from him in a moment and he too leaped the rail reaching the warm blue water feet first and striking out at once towards finn and the child as a swimmer his powers were not at all above the average for all his inexperience of the water finn was a quicker swimmer than the master and he reached little tim within a very few seconds and seized the youngster firmly between his great jaws while turning in the water towards the ship he had left finn was careful enough to prevent his teeth from injuring the child there was no more fear of his doing that than of his biting the hand of a man who caressed him but he was no trained life-saver and it did not occur to him to notice which side up the child was held also a few seconds later he caught sight of the master in the water and that made him loose his hold of tim in his haste to reach one whose claim upon him he regarded as infinitely greater this was only momentary however some instinct told him he must not leave undone the task he had been set and with a swift movement he plucked the child to him again and exerted all his great strength to reach the master this time little tim's face was uppermost but his small arms hung limply and helplessly at right angles from his body it was only a matter of seconds now till finn and the master met in the water the master seized little tim and finn seized the master by one arm down boy get down finn shouted the master and finn obediently loosed his hold and swam anxiously round and round his friend in short circles while the master trod water and held tim high above him head down and body bent in the middle it was less than three minutes later that the second officer of the liner shouted way enough and a big white lifeboat slid past the master's shoulder the second officer leaned far out and snatched little curly-headed tim from the master's hands passing him straight to the waiting arms of another officer the ship's surgeon help the dog in shouted the master as two sailorly hands reached out toward himself but finn was watchfully circling behind him it was rather an undertaking getting the great wolfhound into the lifeboat but it was presently accomplished the master thrusting behind and two men in the boat tugging in front tim was lying on his face on the doctor's knees and gasping his way back to life under a vigorous kneading treatment whatever it may have been for the man and the wolfhound it had undoubtedly been a close call for the child there were great rejoicings on the big australian liner during the rest of that sunshiny sunday and you may imagine that finn came in for a good deal of flattering attention but he paid small heed to this what did make his heart swell within him till his great chest seemed scarcely big enough to hold it was the little talk he had with the master before they boarded the ship from the lifeboat the master had one dripping arm about finn's wet shoulder and held it there with a warm pressure while he muttered certain matters in finn's right ear which sent hot blood pumping into the wolfhound's heart the master knew that finn had done a big thing for love of him that day and he would never forget it finn would have leaped overboard fifty times to earn again that pressure about his shoulder and that low murmur of loving commendation in his ear 
the half hysterical caresses of tim's mother and the admiring attention of the whole ship's company were trifles indeed after this the voyage to australia took finn into a new world in more senses than one nature and the master had endowed him richly before this voyage endowed him with the gift of true love which he had not known before and whereas he had come aboard that ship a very magnificent wolfhound he would leave it the richer by something which would almost be called a soul a personality developed by these long weeks of close intercourse with a man and the final mental triumph which had ended in his successfully rebelling against the dominion of instinct by reason of the completeness of his devotion to the master End of chapter 11